calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everybody to a brand new episode of the geek buddies hey i am at the tail end of a long day but i'm excited to do the show it's always fun to hang out with my two friends my two longtime friends uh your buddies you my might bu- say oh my buddies who happen to be geeks who happen to be geeks wait a minute and guys. happen to do a show that should be a podcast <laughs> full circle boom nailed it uh and tonight we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff um, but first, my name is uh, John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider and the co-host of the Top Ten Show uh, and the Cinephiles, which you should also go and listen to, and of course, the Deep Cut over there at Collider. My name is Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and films. You might know me from such properties as My Little Pony, Avengers, Young Justice, and things that I'm not allowed to say yet, but sound pretty cool if I could tell you. <laughs> hey. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on uh, Hawthorne, that TNT oh. gem. Uh, my name is Earl and Silicon Valley, which is in its last season. Thank God. Whoa. Oh, come on. I mean, I, 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 this, is, this is for real. I do think it peaked in my season. 
Oh, that's not because I was yeah. on it. Sure, 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 sure. But sure. I do feel like it, by the end of the third season, like, okay, you could probably kill the show. So what now. you're saying is you're a cooler for a show. If you're on the show, it gets canceled. No, it, it, it was going out at a My high point. My name is Earl going Hawthorne. Out. Every show gets canceled at some point. John. Not Grey's Anatomy. You can't kill that thing with a stick. <laughs> well, you know what? If it's I book, if support. I, yeah. if, I, if I book it this season, it's going. That's right. It's going out. <laughs> You're a cooler for a show. I love it. Oh, one last thing I forgot to add. I'm officially the tag team champion of the Schmodown. Suck it, Kalinowski. Suck it, KO. Suck a chance. I want you to look at which one of your friends is cheering for you and which one of your friends is not right now. Right, I am. Someone is. His loyalties are. I'm looking split. at. I'm looking at him, at Shannon cheering for me inside. I'm looking at you fake cheering for me with the woo. That's all fake. I know it's not real. That's a gay cheer. That is how oh. we are trained to do it. Whoa, I don't get involved in that. I don't know. What's all this? of my adulation was with a glance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's it's the gif of the blonde guy yeah. where they push in and gives a slight head nod. I, I like the Timberlake. That's my favorite. <laughs> I like to do it sometimes in the mirror The Timberlake gif of just staring at you Anyway, uh, f- welcome everybody who is a, a new member of the Geek Buddies Joining us, taking a chance on us, we really appreciate it uh, And those of you who've been with us for a while Thank you so much for coming back Shout out to uh, Jess, Patty, and Greg Ingelmo Two of our friends who took the time to tell us how much they enjoy our show recently And God, thank you so much You guys are the best We love you For yeah. many reasons But also because you told us that you loved us Which is always a surefire way to get our affection <laughs> <laughs> Truth Truth Oh, I actually have Oh, please uh, In Geek Buddies news um, Another another buddy of the podcast, Mark Kressel Who oh. is a longtime listener Texts me all the time uh, Sent a geek haiku oh. That he wanted me to share with both of you But I will actually share it He said, I wrote a haiku And I'm submitting it to Geek Buddies here it is. Ooh. Dark materials. Ep one let me down onto Mandalorian. That and it's a, it's a five seven five. It is a good haiku. <laughs> wow. That is that is called a geek haiku. I think I'm going to post this haiku on our Twitter. Yes. And ask for other geek haikus. I think we should start doing geek haikus each week. But I'm down. again, dark materials. Ep one let me down onto Mandalorian. What's Haikus are Japanese or Chinese or what are they? I think it's Japanese. Yeah. Am I allowed to do a Japanese accent when no. I read? No, mm-hmm. do not do that at all, ever. <sighs> that seems unfair. Well, you could do it in a Bolivian accent. I do a really good Japanese accent. Did Japanese people tell you that? <laughs> I don't. F- well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't mean it in an offensive way. I've watched many samurai films. I feel like I've got it down. Wow, I think we are we're taking a giant step back for mankind right now. <laughs> I feel I, I just heard Jess and Greg unsubscribe. Yeah, unsubscribe. <laughs> As soon as I for, everybody at, for everybody listening at home, as, as Roka is talking, Shannon and I are slowly pushing our seats away from the desk. As soon as I rev up my Japanese, my Japanese motor. Ugh, just, so, the Geek Buddies anyway, haiku was a great idea that was very short-lived. Thank you, Mark, for that great haiku. Episode one. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, and if you were, uh, like I said, uh, thank you to all the new people who've come aboard. Thank you all of you who've been with us for a while. Um, you know how the show works, and if you don't, listen up. Uh, each of us does a geek news item. We present, we talk about it for a little bit, then move on to the next item. So we'll do three of them in total, and then we'll talk about our main topic after a break. And our main topic tonight is about uh, the um, failure of Terminator at the box office, uh, although it was number one, it really didn't do as well as the uh, other films or as well as they were hoping. And what it means by, for IP now 
And what is valuable IP versus what is just IP and how do studios approach IP? And I think uh, the three of us are, pretty, uh, I think, well-equipped to have this discussion. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, I agree. Can't wait to, to. But to start off yeah, tonight, please, Shannon. Matt Reeves' Batman film, its cast continues to be rounded out. And two more actors, it was, uh, it was announced, are in talks. One, one of those actors, I think everyone sort of was like, hey, great idea. Yeah. And another actor, everyone was like, huh. Well, that's something. Mm. So the first actor, um, Andy Serkis, is in talks to play Alfred the Butler. Yeah. Now, it had been announced a little while ago, or it had been rumored a little while ago, that he was um, possibly up for a role in the Batman. And a lot yep. of people had sort of just assumed it was going to be the Penguin. Mm-hmm. But now, he's not, he's not going the villain route. He's not going to revisit a claw-like character. He's going to be uh, his trustworthy, uh, Bruce Wayne's trustworthy butler, Alfred. Yeah. He's a little younger than, than I feel like most Alfreds uh, yeah, recently have been so to go is, along with so Robert. Batman. In comparison to Pattinson? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. How old was Christian Bale when he did Batman Begins? I mean, he may have been a couple years. He was in years. his 30s, but Michael Caine was in his 60s. Yeah, well, Pattinson is, what, 30? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think... Circus is in his 50s. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I he, he doesn't have that sort of older energy, but and that could yeah. be interesting. That's a good thing, I think. That could be very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think most people were happy with this cast or this possible casting. Mm-hmm. The next actor, no one could have guessed this. Apparently, Colin Farrell, yeah. who from of, of uh, Bullseye and Daredevil fame in oh, True Detective season two, seems unfair. Is in talks. Really just, you just buried <laughs> punch, him. punch a man when he's know, down, right? Don't you? Of all the roles that Colin Farrell has played, you went. Yeah. Bullseye from Daredevil. I mean, no one's mentioning that play you did at North Hollywood, for God's sakes. You know, why are we punching down? What? You said I was good. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Oh, boy. You support your friends. Boy, we're really, uh, we're really <laughs> just scratching the surface so, here tonight. Rough night at the Geek Buddies. <laughs> oh, I don't care. You know. Where's the Thrance comments, Mikey? Anyway, let's, I literally had it at the ready, and I kept it in my pocket. <laughs> Colin Farrell is in talks to play... The Penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think this is a choice that anyone could have nope. foreseen. Um, but going around the table, what do we think? Andy Serkis is Alfred. Colin Farrell is the Penguin. I'll tell you, my first reaction is I was very excited to have Andy Serkis as Alfred because of two reasons. One, he was fantastic as Ulysses Claw. And to see him play that kind of villain and jo- with relish and joy and those forearms of his, I think, are fantastic. And... He does a great British accent. And so he's British, right? Is he British or American? He's English. He's English, I believe, right? I believe So when English. he was doing the stuff on 13 going on 30, that's a great accent he has. So for me, the combo of it all works on so many levels because he can play menacing, he can play funny, he can play straight drama, and he can play tender connection. So to me, I love the idea of having him as Alfred. It works because it's such an unusual choice. Now, Colin Farrell, <laughs> I like this idea too because look, you, the penguin doesn't have to be a fat guy who's four foot tall with a monocle. Robin Lord Taylor certainly broke that stigma with Gotham, right? He was a skinnier guy, somewhat handsome. Okay, it's possible. I don't think most people would say he was handsome. Uh, Robin Lord Taylor, I would think. Wow, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> uh, if we're, we're going to bag on, on my no-ho performance, <laughs> I'm going after Robin Lord Taylor. Fair enough, fair quirky. enough. Quirky. We'll call him Quirky. <laughs> I think he's kind of quirky handsome, then fine. Quirk handsome. Uh, and I would say, I mean, if you can be adorkable, I think quirk handsome works. Uh, so I, I like the idea because, of course, we've seen in the comics how Penguin has become like this head of the nightclub and he's an arbiter between the criminal underworld and the cops and Gotham City. And so 
maybe this is a character that's a little has a little more to do in the film beyond being just a villain. There's more complexity to him, so you cast someone like Colin Farrell who can bring that complexity to the role. So this is exciting casting for me overall from beginning to end with everyone. The only question mark I have a little bit is Zoe Kravitz, but I'm sure she'll kill it. Uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of a Johnny on this. Like, I nothing about it's definitely surprising on both fronts to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting, but. Um, on the Colin Farrell front, basically echoing everything John said, um, I think that this is... I don't know what they're going to do with the Penguin, but it is very clear at this point that it's not going to be a traditional Penguin thing. And I think that's all for the better when it comes to the Penguin. Um, I think that, you know, seeing some rotund gentleman whack, whack, whacking his way through a movie is not what anyone is excited about seeing. And I think that uh, we are going to see him used in a different way. And as far as Alfred, I think, I don't know the, the I don't know what's funnier, the de-aging of Aunt May and Spider-Man or the de-aging of Alfred and Batman. I really just enjoy them both. You go back, you watch like, what is it, Michael Gow who played him in the no. Tim Burton yeah. right. to Michael Caine to Andy Serkis. It's like, Alfred's working out. Hey, don't forget Jeremy Irons. He's in there. Yeah. Okay. He was Alfred. He was. Two movies. Yep. Two. And two things that were on screen. <laughs> um, Ray Fiennes. Come on. Um, Lego Batman. Lego, Lego Batman. Now, that one I'll count. I'll count Lego Batman before I count Jeremy Irons. That's fair. Um, but I do think that it's going to get more to the point. I mean, just as... Matt Reeves has really said that he wants to dive into the detective aspect of Batman that is not usually uh, um, highlighted as much in the feature films. Mm -hmm. If you're casting Andy Serkis, you are definitely getting into Alfred's uh, experience as a soldier. Right. Alfred's experience as someone who's really maybe helping to train Bruce Wayne. I mean, I think that we're going to see a very different Alfred as opposed to the guy that's making him some vichyssois. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, like the first, like when I first heard Andy Serkis, I love Andy Serkis. I really would would have loved to have seen him as the Penguin. That being mm. said, leaning into this guy who was, you know, in sort of like, he was sort of like a James Bondy type character in the war. Yeah. I'm like, that's a really cool idea. And it, and yeah, I agreed. Colin Farrell at the beginning was like, no, he's he's too handsome. But then there was a, a piece of art that an artist on Twitter, I think his name, uh, Boss Logic. Oh, Boss Logic, yeah did a uh, rendering of Colin Farrell as the Penguin. He gave him some, some kind of crazy scars wow. as like someone, uh, like a gangster who has moved up in the underworld. And I'm like, God, everything Colin Farrell has been in, except the things that I uh, mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, even True Detective season two, I thought he was good. Um, he was good, yeah. Everything that he, like he never turns in a bad performance. He's always yeah. really, really good. I mean, I think they do need to give him, they need to give him a little bit of a beak nose. You do, but why? Yeah. Why is he called the Penguin? But that's but that's the that's going to come up. If you think about actual mobsters, mm-hmm. a lot of them have names that are not. It's not all Dick Tracy. Like not everybody right. is named for their physical appearance. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. A look, they want to put a prosthetic nose on Colin Farrell. I don't care. Go for it. Live Make your, it work. Live your, live your dreams. But I think it's maybe even more interesting to have this character and you reveal in the script that he's named the Penguin for some other reason. Uh, you know, he's so slippery. He always like whatever it is. Like there's like the idea that this guy at a at an early age in his career was started to do stuff and he got this nickname because he did X. Yeah. And now he's worked his way up. Like that's what I'm saying is I think I think that I like the idea of taking uh the idea of the penguin 
and doing something completely different with it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of gangster stuff. I love the idea that he's moved up the chains. And I think you make a great point, Mike. The penguin doesn't have to be a penguin. He like or have penguin characteristics. It could be something, a nickname, maybe a nickname he hates even right. that infuriates him and no one's allowed to say it around him, that kind of stuff. So they nickname that for what? Either he's cold as ice or he can survive in a certain like there's got to be some reason why he gets the nickname of penguin I want that him, works I want for me personally yeah. Colin Farrell is a very very handsome man he uh, he I don't want a I don't want a sexy penguin. Why? Whoa! I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. I but, don't I, but want no. That. And I listen. You are completely well within your rights yeah. to not want a sexy penguin. I am just curious as to why. Yeah, Billy Madison. Why don't you want a sexy penguin? <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I, I let feel you shave like... my armpits. <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. Get the shampoo. Oh, that is so gross. <laughs> I, I just want him a little I, – I, I like the beak nose. I like a little bit of a beak nose wow. just because that's that's what I bring. That's what I'm bringing – what I'm bringing to the character. That's yeah. what I want. Do you want whiskers just, on Catwoman? What's that? Do you want whiskers on Catwoman? I don't think Catwoman's ever had whiskers. Just saying. Well, but I mean, I, like, like for, here's why I ask. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing is like if you take like what people think – if you were just to ask people what is the – what do you want in a Joker? Hmm. And up until a certain point, people would say, well, he has to have fallen in a vat of acid and he's got that smile like sort of plastered on his face and his face was bleached in his hair because that's what we all had. Right. And there was a point in time where you would have said, guys, if I have a joker, he has to have fallen in acid. And then Heath Ledger came along and like threw all of that out the window and we were all like, yeah, great. So it's like yeah. I and I and I think the only reason I bring it up, I'm not harping on it. Like you're like like I said, you want a, you want a beak nose, have a beak nose. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting thing that happens whenever these comic book movies come along, is that certain people, certain people we're all friends with, yeah. get very tied up in the physical, right? Uh, which I think is less important and less interesting than nailing some core attributes of the character. And I think what's interesting about what Matt Reeves seems to be doing with the character of Batman with a lot of this casting is I think the most important thing about Penguin um, in recent years. And again, this is my take on the Penguin is that you are that go between between the underworld and the, uh, you know, the, um, the, the legal, yeah. the legal yeah. side of things. Right. And that you are that uh, sort of fall between the cracks. Nobody can quite pin you. And you're the one that every other villain goes to to either get what you need or whatever like i think that's yeah. what's interesting about him yeah and you can be attractive or not attractive and accomplish that yeah and i think you can do both yeah. i think i think that you can have sort of that that physical traits as well as the character traits okay i'm down we'll see what happens i'm, I'm enjoying the casting all around and so I, I do think they're holding out on calendar man until the last moment or maybe there's no calendar man and maybe there isn't but i mean that would solidify long halloween it, if they announced a calendar man that would absolutely solidify long halloween yeah. but i also think like there's a lot of talk about inspired by long halloween and like it doesn't right, mean right. Hey, a it could all be talk and we're all wrong and we've been talking about it for months and we're just talking out of our ass yeah. and b it could be inspired by without actually right. being. being yeah you know and i think i think any movie that's going to take the number of characters that they've, that they've already sort of thrown at us like, yeah yeah. Okay. What's our next thing? Um, so next, this actually just happened. Uh, I got really excited about it. So we had announced a while ago, you know, next year we're getting two Pixar movies. Yeah. 
Um, and it's the first time in a long time that we are not getting a sequel. We are getting two original Pixar movies. So the first one coming out in March is Onward, mm-hmm. which we've talked about. Uh, I think I'm more excited about it than you two are. I did like that second trailer. Okay. Agreed. Good. Okay, there Agreed. you go. Um, but the other movie from Pete Docter, who directed Inside Out, is called Soul. And up until this point, nothing has been released about it at all except for the logo. Like, nobody really knew what it was. Well, they've recently, um, I think like today, released a bunch of images of the movie, which we are going to post on our Twitter, um, along with a synopsis of what the film is. So, Soul, directed by Pete Docter, follows Joe Gardner, who is voiced by Jamie Foxx, an aging middle school music teacher who has long dreamed of performing jazz music on stage. Mm. He gets his chance when he's booked as the opening act at the hall at the Half Note Club, a real jazz club in New York City. But his jazz debut is put in jeopardy when an accident causes his soul to be separated from his body, sending him to a U seminar, a place where souls develop and gain passions before being placed in a newborn child. Um, while at the uh, Soul Seminar, the only way he can escape is to work with 22, who is voiced by Tina Fey, a soul in training who has quite the bleak outlook on life after being trapped at the U Seminar for years. <laughs> so that sounds super, super weird. Sure. And if any other studio aside from Pixar was doing that, I'd be like, I don't know about this, guys. Yeah. But it seems... Uh, that what they're really kind of diving into is this idea of uh, passion for career as uh, and balancing that out with a life. So one of the things that Pete Doctor said uh, in an interview about this is, I've been doing animation for 30 years. I love it. I can't get enough of it. And then I also recognize this is not the end-all, be-all of everything. There are children and life experiences and food and all these other things in the world that you can't say are less important than animation. I would maybe have said that at a certain time in my life. So I think what this movie is really dealing with, which I think is kind of interesting, is that balance of is it good to be super passionate about what you love to the point of uh, not paying attention to the rest of the life of your life around you Mm. versus – Focusing on your life and not being passionate about anything. Like with most Pixar movies, whether it be Inside Out or Monsters, Inc. or anything or or Toy Story, you have sort of two differing points of view. You have Woody and Buzz. You have Mike and Sully. You have Joy and Sadness. And it seems like this is very much along those lines. And like all Pixar movies uh, about kind of a bigger, more adult, mature issue, it's that it's that issue of... Should you be fully focused on your career and passionate about that? Should you stop and smell the roses and enjoy your life? And so it sounds like uh, a lot to uh, chew on. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I get concerned because I, I think it's a fun synopsis. I have reservations. You know, uh, up Onward, is that what it is? Mm. Onward hasn't really kind of clicked in with me. Uh, soul doesn't sound like it's going to click in with me. I, Look, I know uh, people might get mad at me saying this, but I hesitate about a white director trying to talk about jazz. Like, that's just really, really tough for me. Well, that's so, La La Land got a lot of that. Flat, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, and, not, it's not unfounded. Yeah. And so I, I'm not trying to be racist in any way, shape, or form, but uh, would you trust a black director about country music? Some people wouldn't. And so it's like, okay, it's fair to feel that way. It's If you've got that point of view on the situation, like, I, I, you know. So for me, I, I just hesitate on it. But that being said, Pete Doctor is a fantastic director, and I think his quote here is a really good quote because it also bleeds into what he said about Inside Out, how doing Inside Out taught him kind of how to speak with his daughter. And so there's more to this approach to it than you would normally see from another animation director. So I'm excited. I'm interested to see what he does. Having someone like Jamie Foxx and other uh, actors attached to it 
gives me gives it credibility to me to a degree. So I want to see what we have, you know. And look, I'm a Latino guy talking about jazz, so I have even less credibility. Well, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, I but just, I also think there's so I think too much to the La La Land point that I just said. Yeah, there's a difference between so like the issue with La La Land was you had a white director, yeah, who was directing a story about a white guy yeah. who was trying to be a jazz musician right. and like could talked about jazz as like this is like let me let me tell you about jazz. Right. Clearly, Jamie Foxx is voicing this main character. Clearly the main character is a black middle school teacher who, who has wants to help a white woman. No. You just said he has to help 22 who is voiced by Tina Fey. She's a soul. She's a amorphous thing that hasn't even been put in a body it's yet. It's voiced by a white woman. Okay. That's what I'm getting at. But I don't but you, you can't ignore that. You what what is what is wrong with a black person? If that is what what is it? What is wrong with a black soul helping a white soul and having a discussion about being happy? Like, where is the racist issue there? I'm not trying to say racist. I'm saying where is the problematic issue there? Uh, I, is it just if because jazz seems to be what he wants? Like that's his right, one. It's not right. like she. I mean, maybe she does. I don't know. But like, right. it seems like jazz is being used as a. This is what my creative passion is. Right. But where is your issue? So in? he's being used to help her find her passion so she can Ooh. get out of that place. Is that right? I don't. That's a lot to pull out of the synopsis. I'm that asking. I I'm well, asking. I'm I haven't saying. seen the movie. Well, you're talking about it. <laughs> I, I read the. I just, you presented you know, the Geek News. You item. know what I know. I just read the thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you look at it, it's saying, it's, and I'm not saying use in a negative way. I'm saying that it seems like he's been sucked out. So that he can go into this situation and help this. Uh, I don't. I don't know because I've not okay. seen the movie that's not out yet. But I don't think that is probably accurate. Okay. So Jamie Foxx is is voicing the middle school teacher, obviously, right. and the soul. I'm assuming, and the soul of the middle school well. teacher. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I'm not seeing the problem here. No, no, I'm not um, saying there's a problem. I'm presenting things for us to com- to talk about with this issue. I mean, with this film. <laughs> I'm you know, issue to... is synonymous with problem. <laughs> I I think like most look if I, we all, if we all just went rubber stamp and walked on, it wouldn't be an interesting show. I'm saying this is something I, to consider. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm trying to yeah, understand yeah, 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 no, where, <laughs> where the issue is. Well, the issue is. Well, I'm, I'm, this is the the plot is the plot <laughs> he's, he's adjusting is, himself in his sorry, chair right, right. now, ladies. Yeah, and I want to make sure I'm clear. The plot is. I want to make sure I get this right. What you're telling me the plot is is there's a guy. Who wants to try jazz? Never tried jazz. Has a shot at being having jazz, at doing jazz, but then his soul gets taken out of him right when he's about to do something incredible. He gets sucked into this uh, soul thing, a soul world or whatever, and then he runs into this white soul, twenty two, who's lost a passion for life, lost a desire. She, well, she, she hasn't. I don't think she's been even play. I, I'm I, if I'm reading this right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I could absolutely not be because it's a super weird thing. So Pixar, don't yell at me. Yeah. I don't know why he got sucked into this place. It sounds like this is the place where souls learn a passion before they get put into a newborn baby. Right. So I don't know why a middle school teacher's soul got put there. It sounds like it was misplaced. It's an accident. He wasn't put there to do something for her. He's there by he mistake. Separated. He got separated. Right. But then what does he do? I think he helps the again. No, no, no. I don't think it said he helps. No, I don't think he helps. I think the he meets. It sounds like he meets. It oh. sounds like based on Okay. It sounds like, based on the synopsis, yeah, the Jamie Foxx character is someone who is so focused on following his dream that that's all that matters to him more than anything else in the world. 
Okay. And he meets a character who doesn't really seem like she has a dream about anything, which if you're going to be putting someone's soul, a newborn baby's soul, mm-hmm. and not giving them a passion about anything, I don't think it's a one of them has to help the other or one of them is right or one of them is wrong. You have someone who is fully focused on a passion, someone right. who has no passion, and just like Joy and Sadness or many other Pixar characters, I think they're going to meet in the middle and we're going – the whole movie okay. is going to be an examination on, say, work-life balance. So maybe – yeah, and that's a great point. Maybe they learn to help each other and one – one inspires the other to find their passion while the other one inspires the other to take a chance. So I think they'll probably both learn from each other. Let's see. We'll see. Whew. I'm just I'm, I look, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation. Don't don't mention <laughs> do not mention jazz to John Roca. Just very passionate. I'm I'm very passionate about jazz. I'm very passionate about jazz. I want it because there's they rarely do good films about jazz. Like I, I thought the Miles Davis and Don Judo film was fantastic. I really enjoyed the Ethan Hawke Chet, ba- Chet Baker film. That was really nice. I want to see more of that. There was a fantastic John Coltrane documentary that came out last year. So I'm very protective of it because people make fun of it all the time. People denigrate it all the time. And I think I want and I want to respect. Pete, and Pete Doctor has a track record of making incredible animated films for Pixar. Absolutely. So I'm, I he has great leeway with me. I'm saying I'm reacting to the initial reading of the synopsis, what it sounds like to me. But I hear your point. Right. They do come together, help each other, and move forward, and that's a positive overall. Right. In this, in these politically charged times and racially charged times, it's not a bad thing to have this. I just. I want some depth and complexity to this. That's right. I, I really want to go visit this new jazz club that just opened up called Patrick O'Houlihan's. <laughs> I, I, <I'm laughs> it's run by the Penguin. <laughs> also, would this be, speaking of that, though, yeah. uh, not the Penguin part, it, would, would Jamie Foxx's character be the first black lead yes. in an animated Pixar movie? Well, see, that's another reason, yeah. I'm thinking it through. Is. It is. Yeah. I mean, because Sam Jackson's not a lead. No, He's, no, no. Frozone's not a lead. He's not. This is the first lead. Yeah, so that's great. It is great. Yeah, it is great. There you go. It it sounds very inside outy. It sounds like it inst- does. instead it of, does sound ins- very inside which is Pete Doctor instead of doing the emotions. We're, you know, we're going to do the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also Pete Doctor directed my favorite Pixar movie, which was uh, Up. Yeah. True. So while the premise is not necessarily getting me that excited. Or jazzed. Hey, oh. Um, oh man, I'm gonna throw myself out this window. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but Jesus, I, I'm always down to see a Pixar movie, even the Good Dinosaur. Oh, ooh, not I. Literally saw the Good Dinosaur once, and I got food poisoning. Oh no, that I night. never, yeah. I never watched it again. I'm but never did, gonna watch but it. But I did go see it. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. food poisoning that night, and I think those two things are forever tied in my head. <laughs> that was a rough movie, man. Uh, Good Dinosaur and Cars Two are the only two Pixar movies that I've seen. Once and once only, and Car- do not own. Cars 2 is the only Pixar movie I've not finished. I've never I, seen I made it. it 10 minutes in. You guys have destroyed it so much, I've never even bothered to watch it. Like, I'm scared to watch it. Mm-hmm. I watched Cars 3. I liked Cars, Cars 2. Cars 3 I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I Cars, will, you guys I will Cars defend so Cars 3 to anybody. I, yeah. I quite enjoy it. I don't. Yeah. It's not like top Pixar movie for me, but I right. think Cars 3 is a nice... Solid movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's jump in. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think it'll be interesting post Lasseter how these two films do and yeah. how they're received. So it's, it's curious. It's curious. It's curious, curious. Curious. Curious stuff. Curiouser and curiouser. All right. Let's move on to our last Geek News item. And that has to do with Mr. Harry Potter. Well, more specifically, Newt Scamander and the Fantastic Beasts 3. That's my best uh, <laughs> wand keeper accent. If that was your best wand keeper accent, I think we should really keep the Japanese accent under wraps. <laughs> 
you saying it, Gobna? No, anyway. Uh, but no, Fantastic Beast 3 is now apparently moving forward. This was announced, I think, a couple of days ago. We got it through a deadline. Um, apparently, Jessica Williams is going to play a stronger part in this. Uh, it's going to be a threequel tinker setting in, set in Brazil, uh, which is really interesting. Um, also, uh, it came out that they're going to move um, Albus Dumbledore more to the forefront of the story with Jude Law. Um, there'll be more. The Johnny Depp is definitely coming back. Grindelwald, all that kind of jazz. But the big news is Steve Cloves, who had written a lot of the uh, or co-wrote a lot of the Harry Potter movies, is coming in. Is that right, Steve Cloves? Yeah, uh, Steve Clovis. Clovis. I'm sorry, Steve Clovis is coming in to help J.K. Rowling write the script Ooh-hoo. for this Fantastic Beast. And J.K. had written the first two films, which a lot of people would argue are not that well written. So uh, I think this is fascinating on so many levels. Uh, I want to give my opinion first, if you guys don't mind. Sure. A, I love the idea that Clovis, Clovis is coming back. I think it's a smart move. It gets Potter fans back excited for the possibility that they may have rectified some situations. I love the idea that they're moving Albus more to the forefront. Albus Dumbledore is the most interesting character. Newt's Knight is cool. Eddie's fine, but he's also a weirdo. You want to see something... <laughs> Well, he is a bit of a weirdo, and I like the idea of Albus Dumbledore uh, coming into the forefront because Albus has a lot of really interesting dramatic things in his past, the stuff with his sister, stuff with his mom, stuff with his brother, the gay situation. Of course, all of that. The gay well, because, situation. Because she won't commit one way or the other, so I have to well, call She commits his, on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, but not on the pages. You are 100% true. Or 100% in the movies. So that's the thing. That's, so I call it a situation because it hasn't been resolved. And so I, I, I want to see... I like the, the steps they're making, but I have cautious, very cautious optimism. Gentlemen. Yeah, I think they know that the boat has a leak in it. And so they're <laughs> yeah, they're they're bailing water right now and they know that they need to they need to course correct because the second one I mean it made it made a decent amount of money, sure. but I mean it nobody liked that movie. It was 150 million dollars less than the first one. So. It was and that movie was just kind of a mess. Like yeah. there were so many the, the I think the lovely things that they established in the first one, which I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the first one either. Mm-hmm. Um, the the good things that they did establish, um, they kind of knocked over. Yeah. And like I did not think Depp was terrible <laughs> as Grindelwald. I, he was perfectly fine. Um, but I think you know just that hundred and fifty million dollars less. Yeah. I mean, they see that people don't really care right now. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, one second movie not good, but also. Eddie Redmayne, that character, he he's an inaccessible lead. Yeah, and that's my problem with yeah. it. He's an inaccessible lead. Whatever your feelings are him for him because of his attractiveness or whatever, his energy as an actor, he's an inaccessible lead. That whole scene in the first movie where he's doing the dance, I'm like, I don't know what you thought you were getting on yeah. the day when you were shooting this, but this is a weird, lanky guy leaping around in a field right If your now. secondary love story is overshadowing your primary love story, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. <clears throat> I, it is interesting because I think that... I think I think Fantastic Beasts, the first one, was a... cute, harmless entry into the Harry Potter universe. Sure. It didn't bother me immensely. It didn't move me immensely. It's like if it was on TV, I'd watch it a little bit just because I love the world of Harry Potter. But it wasn't great. But I I, I thought the characters were all fine. Yeah. I 100% agree with what you're saying about uh, the the secondary love story being far more interesting than the primary love story. But like it was it was fine. Yeah. And then 
the second movie came out and they were like, guys, it's Grindelwald. It's Dumbledore's in the movie. We're going to do all this stuff to like tie it to Harry Potter because we know what you said about the first one. And that script is just an ungodly mess. It, it really is. I mean, it is a... It is a mess on so many levels, I can't even begin. That's a whole podcast to talk about everything that's wrong with Crimes of Grindelwald. From the very beginning to the very end, just like simple screenwriting mistakes yeah. that just made it. The thing that I find is really funny is you know a movie is really badly written when even people who don't know the ins and outs of screenwriting sit there and go, that was really bad yeah like that like, and, and can point out to you exactly like why did this character do this why did they do this that made no sense and you're like yeah no it did not <laughs> so i think like bringing in steve clovis to write is a big step in the right direction but it also feels like the first movie came out and they're like "Ooh, let's fix this and put dumbledore and grindelwald more centrally Ooh, that didn't work let's bring in a better writer bringing in a better writer is probably their biggest thing that they need to do to fix yeah. things and so it's it's gonna be fool me once shame on me fool me twice Shame on me. Fool me three times. Shame on me. That's how it's going to look at it. It's just like, it's just going to be, I feel like I'm getting geared up to go, okay, well, this one I'm going to be excited about, and then I'm not going to be excited again. Um, (laughs) Does David Yates come back? Maybe. I don't. I I find him to be a boring director. Yeah, I don't think. I find him, we talked about this. I find him to be a boring director, but he feels like Harry Potter. For better or for worse, I don't think he does action great. I don't think he does a lot of things great, but those last. What, Harry Potter 5, 6, 7, and 7? Mm-hmm. There's things about the directing that I think is boring, but it just feels like Harry Potter yeah, to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's probably something to be said for something like that. They could turn it around. Like I mm-hmm. think that I think it's possible. if you take a step back, The Crimes of Grindelwald suffers in the same way that the Star Wars prequels suffer, in that it's horribly, horribly executed. Yeah. But if you take a step back from everything that's happening and say, well, what's the big picture here? Dumbledore is making moves through Newt because he's being watched and here's what Grindelwald's goal is and Grindelwald's trying like there's a bigger picture thing that if Mm -hmm. they can nail it in the third movie everyone will forgive those first two yeah so it'll be interesting to see I agree if they know I mean this is interesting decisions they are making about Brazil and I I don't mind Jessica Williams being a more central part Jessica Williams very funny good actress so I'm interested to see what they do with that but I think they have one last shot at this thing, and then I it, think that's right, right? And, and then they'll just go, okay, well, we'll push it away. But this is this takes some of the, this takes a little bit of the shine off J.K. To be honest with you, and you, you can't you can't not say that because J.K.'s she, had a little bit of shine taken off from her ever since she started revealing sexual yeah. things on Twitter Fair when enough. nobody was asking. But um, <laughs> no, she nobody. <laughs> She JK, def- nobody. nobody. Nobody at all. J.K. Rowling. Ron Weasley likes possum porn. You're like, what? Um, why? Why? Stop why? it. Yeah, look, I think... Here's what I think is good, though. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Rowling, like many a beloved creator before her... Sure. ...is not infallible. Yeah. And whereas George Lucas has gone through most of his career at a point where nobody will tell him he's wrong. Yeah. It seems like somebody at least is like, hey, Joe, love you. You created one of the most rich fantasy universes in the history of life. Don't write a screenplay. What do you think the conversation is like when you bring J.K. Rowling into the Warner Brothers offices to be like, hey, listen. 
It probably what starts. I, it probably starts with some really <laughs> weird sexual Harry Potter facts. <laughs> and also, I think they're going to her. I don't think she's being summoned to anyone's office. You think they go to her? One hundred percent. It's Warner Brothers. It's, it's one IP. It's one of the richest women. Really? John, fascinating. John. No, I never underestimate the arrogance of executives. That's where I'm coming from. Not because it should be that way. I just they, never, it, Hollywood executive. She's she is she is the Potter lady. That's fair. She and if, think about it this way. And we're gonna because since we're gonna be talking yeah, yeah. about IP shortly, think about it this way. The biggest IPs that we have right now, Star Wars started in 1977. The Marvel Universe started in the sixties. The sure 50s, 60s, 50s, yeah. 60s. Uh what are the other bigs? I mean, what, DC? DC, technically, technically 20s, also 30s, started in the 30s. 30s yeah. Yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, very recent. Very recent. Fair point. And just as big, if not bigger, than any. Like, mm-hmm. it, is, it is the only thing that is on par with the Star Wars, is the Marvel Universe, is everything. Like, it's, it's huge. And she is yeah. 1,000% wholly responsible for it. But do you think Feige goes to Iger or Iger goes to Feige? I, I think that they go to each other. Just, they probably meet in the middle. If you've been to the Disney lot, they probably just meet under Dopey outside of the yeah. Team Disney building. They'll meet in Seoul. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So we'll see how it goes down. I you know I have a special affinity for uh, the Harry Potter stuff, having worked at that land and having seen the effect on so many people. Yes, I've still not read the books. But how I have you not read that? I know. I, I don't know because I've got like just laying around doing nothing. You're right. I should just read all eight books. No problem. Oh, you really took that personal. <laughs> It's just a question. <laughs> That's what I said about the synopsis of Soul, but apparently. Listen, uh, so tell right, me about jazz. I'm just going to put on a jazz album and read a Harry Potter book on a Sunday. Just calm down, man. It's not bad. Throwing a little altered substance, I'm good to go. Anyway, all right, thanks. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, that's our geek news items for this section of the show. Uh, we'll be right back after uh, some words from us uh, for our sponsors, uh, and we'll be back with the main news item talking about IP and the Terminator Dark Fate situation and where a lot of uh, these studios go from here. All right, welcome back uh, to the Geek Pot Hales. I thought I'd just do it on my own. I just thought I'd do it on my own. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the cue. I know. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible person. Uh, let's jump in this. Mike, you want to present this? Uh, sure. Terminator, Dark Fate. <laughs> um, did not do great. Yeah, well, it was number one at the box office, but only $29 million. $29 million is... A disaster of epic proportions for a movie like Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. Which cost, uh, rumored, $185 million. Yep. Um, so, a lot of people were excited. We were very excited. Yes. Like one of the things coming out of Comic-Con this year that we were the most excited about was the Terminator Dark Fate panel. Um, super stoked about it. Uh, I know that you two saw it earlier than I did. I saw it last weekend when it came. I saw it Friday night. You guys saw it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, very positive about it. Super yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, Loved it. you told everyone on Twitter how excited you were. John. <laughs> Twice. Yes. Uh, the second time, maybe I shouldn't have. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, and, and, and to be fair to the movie, the, the reviews were about, Split down the middle. Mm-hmm. Half the half the reviews were very complimentary. This is the best Terminator movie since Terminator 2. It's the right successor to the Terminator and Terminator 2 franchise. It's great that we're ignoring everything else. And the other half, yeah. not as positive about the movie. Uh, so, a lot of discussions about why 
a franchise movie on this level tank because there's there's a lot of times where a movie will come out like a Suicide Squad or a mm. BVS and we'll talk about it's a failure, but it's a failure on it only made this many billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. This looks like it is going to fail on a you barely crossed a hundred million if you cross a hundred million at all. I will be shocked if this thing domestically crosses a hundred. And if it doesn't cross a hundred million domestically, I mean that is that is that is that is not. That is a whole other situation. That is a you just yeah. killed Terminator conversation, right? Which is shocking on so many levels because they use the same uh, formula that you that they had used with Halloween, bringing back the old uh, star of the film, putting them in the in the film again. Of course, or 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 Star Wars, or Star Wars. Sure, sure. But I mean, there were new. No, no. Good point. You're right, Mike. Actually, Star Wars. That makes sense. Yeah. So you think okay, they're going to do this, blah blah blah. I think what. Halloween did right and Terminator didn't do wrong. And there's a number of things we can talk about with this situation. Is 185 million is not is a massive mistake. It should have been made for 80 or 75. I don't or think or you even can actually, 70. I don't think you can make a Terminator movie for 70 million. I think you absolutely can. What? I think look at a movie CGI like CGI is a lot cheaper now than it used to. Like be. now granted Dread did not do well, but Dread did not cost that much money. I mean, yeah. Dread made a little bit of a profit. I don't think you Okay, let me put it a different way. I don't think you can cast Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie and it costs 70 million. Oh, I hate to break it to you. My boy ain't quoting at 20 or 30 anymore. Uh, he, Five tops. It it, there's a difference between Arnold going and being in a movie where it doesn't matter if Arnold is in it or not, and mm. you saying, we're doing a sequel to Terminator. He has more leverage in that situation. I'm just saying that this whole idea that like Terminator shouldn't have cost in the 150 to $200 million range, I don't agree with. I think that oh, to make a movie that is going to be on the level of what... Of, no. Nobody's going to be nobody is excited about I went to go see the cheap version of a franchise I'm in love with. Like if, if it's you're gonna, damn good, I don't know that you can just given the spectacle level that you're looking for. Halloween was 10 million dollars. A horror movie, horror movies as a genre are popular because they are super cheap to make. That's how Blumhouse works as mm. a studio. They mm. make super inexpensive movies and one of the reasons that they focus on horror is because horror is one of the most inexpensive genres that you can make. Yeah. But yeah. to be fair, and and a sci-fi action Spectacle is one of the most expensive movies yeah, that you can true. make. That's true. But also, I think looking at Terminator, like, and I enjoyed it. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. But there were a handful of very, very expensive sequences that they did not need. Like, they, this movie did not need to cost that much. We didn't need to go into the future. We didn't need to go and see. And we're not, I don't want, we have to walk the line of spoiler stuff. We didn't need to go, if anybody's going to go watch, but we, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't need to go and go into the future and see battle sequences in the future. Uh, like like we do at certain points in the movie. Yep, the cargo jet versus the yeah. the, uh, the fuel jet. Like you you didn't there's, need. That. There's a lot of choices they could have made that didn't I, make it seem as big as it was. Here here's why I think this is sort of a moo point. Okay, um, it's moo. It's moo. It's like it, a cow's point. It's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. It's moo. Wow. Um, whether or not what you guys are talking about is you're shaving five million here, like ten million maybe. You yeah. get from 185 million to 175 million, like the things that you're talking about. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's not going from 185 to 70 million. Uh, How do you do that? Y- you do virtually no special effects. Like you don't have. Really? Yeah, you don't. Okay. You don't get a guy with like liquid molten, you know, T1000 right. skin chasing. Like you don't. You there's a there, there's a level of there's a big difference. Between what a $70 million movie looks like. A $70 million movie, I think the first X-Men movie, and granted, special effects have come a long way, but the very first X-Men movie was like a, 
Brian Singer was given like $65 million or something to do it. Yeah. Right. yeah. So think of those special effects and think that that's the Terminator movie you want to see. But the point is, this movie made such little money that even if they had made it for $140 million, Yeah, it still wouldn't. It yeah. still would have been a bomb. So yeah. it's not, I don't Agreed. think that, I don't think that right. it really Agreed. matters at You're the end right. of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as some like I, I have like the way John has affection for the Harry Potter franchise because mm-hmm. he, you know, worked for it. I mean, I have a lot of affection for the Terminator franchise because that was my first professional performing job. I'll always go see a Terminator movie. I don't think there's going to be another one for a very long time if there is another one. Um, I do agree that <sighs> Linda Hamilton coming back for people that were excited for it was awesome. I just don't know how many people were that excited for a direct sequel to Terminator 2. A lot of people mm-hmm. who are going to the movies now probably haven't seen that movie. Like, Schwarzenegger hasn't been in a successful movie since he left office, with the exception of The Expendables. And even that, like, he wasn't... He's not a main part of that. He's, no. Exactly. He was expendable. Nah. Really? Oh, a, he just made the stupid joke a little bit ago about being jazzed about something. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna jump out the window myself. <laughs> uh, it, it seems to me there's like three buckets that fall into the reasoning for why this movie bombed. So, okay, I'm gonna keep eating. You go ahead. You go ahead. There is the there is the bucket of it's just a bad movie. That that is a lot of people. I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm telling you. There's people that are saying it's just bad. They are. They are. There are people that saying it was too sort of hashtag woke that by and again, that's ridiculous. Well, I, I'm just telling you the three reasons that I've read as that why this movie failed. One is it's just bad, so don't be mad. A movie's bad. Uh, two is you made a Latina female the lead. You set the movie in Mexico. You made a female. Uh, it's it's like all about girl power. It's a female Terminator protecting a female girl with female Linda Hamilton, and the boys are secondary. And no boys want to go see that movie. And you fucked up because you're a stupid snowflake liberal. Blah blah blah. That is what's being said a lot on Twitter. And then the third reason is, and this kind of gets to what you're saying, Linda Hamilton is Terminator's just not relevant anymore. That 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 people of a certain age love the Terminator franchise, but for most people who are growing up in the the new Star Wars, Marvel Cinematic Universe, world right. Harry Potter era that we live in, they don't give a shit about Terminator. Like, they don't care about this Skynet, Terminator, John Connor, Sarah Connor mythology. So going to see this movie literally is a non-issue for them. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a non-entity. It's like something their parents would have watched. And another part of this is, and we don't want to give a spoiler away here, but a decision is made about a major character in the, mo- in the mythology of the franchise that a lot of people were upset about. Oh, at the very... At the yeah. Be- okay. yeah. At, the, be- at the beginning. Yeah, sure. At the be- a lot of people are very upset about that. I don't get it. I don't understand the upsetness because, I, you know, again, I don't want to spoil it, but like, I don't understand the upset of it because like, it's not... I get it. Yeah. I... Should we just say that we're going to have a spoiler here? All right, right. We're going to spoil it for about five minutes. So if you haven't seen Terminator or you, or you don't want to, you know... Uh, Fast forward about five minutes, maybe eight minutes. All right. Here's the deal. Starting now. Starting now. Starting. Spoiler starting Starting now. now. All right. Look, so they kill John Connor in the first five minutes. God damn, you didn't give him a breath. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to hit forward. Here's why I think people are upset about it. I thought it was an interesting choice. I thought it was a brilliant choice. I remember when I went to go see Alien 3 in the movie theater. Yes. And after watching Aliens and being so excited and loving Ripley and Hicks and Newt. Having Hicks and Newt die during the opening credits right. after they survived that entire movie, I was like, fuck you. Right. The first two Terminator movies are built on one overriding concept. 
John Connor has to survive no matter what. He's going to lead the resistance. Right. And to get to the third movie, even though Sarah Connor, the, the quote unquote third movie in the way they were pitching it, even though Sarah Connor and John Connor had successfully stopped Judgment Day from happening, to just kill John Connor right away, it's like, seriously? Like, this was, this was the guy. Right. Uh, I think it was a really interesting choice. It was a bold choice. It was kind of the choice they needed to get to a little bit to sort of say, well, here's the characters that are important. I also think, and I could be 100% wrong on this, that in earlier versions of this story, maybe John Connor didn't get killed right away, but they looked at Eddie Furlong in real life and they were like, well, shit, that's not going to work. That's my point. For everyone who's on Twitter and whatever complaining about them killing John Connor off, where the fuck have you guys been to watch Edward Furlong's acting projects? Because you ain't around. There's a reason for that. Because you, he's not that good of an actor. He never was. And, and so for me, people in this faux rage about being upset about killing John Connor, oh, it makes the two films useless. No, it doesn't. Were your teens useless now that you're 30 years old? Were your 20s useless? Things change and progress Logically and logically, this makes sense because hey, you stop term, you stop Judgment Day, so John Connor could possibly not but, end up being the leader of the Resistance. But I do think emotionally, if you love those first two Terminator movies, to have a character that you really liked die within the first two minutes of a movie that yeah. you go to see, I do understand how that can like really set you off wrong. Were you going and going? Oh, I can't wait to see what Edward Furlong does with yeah, John. I'm not saying, and that. I would push back against. No one left those two movies when man, I love John Connor. No one left yeah. Terminator Two loving him. I'm that's the, the hidden. I'm I'm not saying I agree with it. I thought it was fine that they did it. I'm saying I understand how somebody could be rubbed wrong by that. Sure, I understand it as a concept, but I don't agree with it because I don't think these. I don't think it's. I think it's a. I think it's a weak concept, and comparing it to Alien is not the same thing because Aliens was right afterwards. Alien Three was right after. For sure, this is 25 years later. Um, but I do think people do need to understand that sometimes. You have to write things into a story because the realities of real life are yeah. we can't use this person or right. whatever for X, Y, and Z. And I do think with Edward Furlong, there's probably good reason why they were like, yeah, we just should avoid that. Well, there's that scene in Blade Runner with Rachel, right? No one was came out of that Blade Oh, they fucked Rachel over. Yeah. No, it's just this is the realities of the of the situation to to. To be ignorant of that to me, I think is is incorrect and should not be respected. Like I just don't think that. And a lot a lot of people tweeted at me about it because of that, and I was just like, it makes no sense to me that you're upset about it. I get it, of course, but it makes no sense to me. Um. All right. Are we off spoilers now? Uh. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So back to just the general thing. Um. Look, I don't think I liked the movie as much as you two did. I really enjoyed it. I actually had a great time, and I got yelled, I got made fun of a little bit by the friends that I went with because, like, I was clearly the one who enjoyed it the most, and was told by several of my friends that I was wrong. Oh, <clears throat> but who are these friends? We um, want names. Yeah, we I'm want not, names. I'm not naming names. <laughs> Is it the gay chorus? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, but uh, oh. the I think that the movie could have been stronger. I liked some of the ideas in the movie, but I think. It was one of those movies that probably could have used one more really solid pass on the script. But to be fair, just as I was saying, your argument about the budget doesn't really wash. I think it could have been a stronger movie. I don't think that's why it failed. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, Shannon, when you were saying, I think the whole it's too woke, those people can just go to hell and get out of here. Like that is not yeah. like that is that is dumb. And I'm tired of hearing this argument that if you put a person of color or a female in a lead role or say that a female is the empowered person or that a female is a Terminator, that that's somehow turning off mass audiences. That is 
That is Twitter garbage, and it's I, not accurate. I would point to Black Panther box office. I or Captain Marvel Captain box Mar- office. Yeah, I was going to say or, yeah, or, or, or Star Wars' box, box office. Right. Or Wonder Woman's box right. office. It's like, it's like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So that leaves the third point, which I think is probably the most relevant point, which is just that Terminator's not relevant yeah yeah that's certainly possible and i think you burn the bridges of those i mean the last two films kind of burned the bridges to a degree salvation and genesis uh of people who might have been onboarded onto this uh franchise because there are defenders for rise of the machines and it's not an altogether great film but it's only a watchable film a decent installment so to speak yeah it's not bad at all And, and, and salvation i think salvation has some great parts it's just too damn serious but ultimately i think that was the one where the original ending had apparently leaked online yeah and they ended up changing it and was like well yeah the original one was better. Yeah, was I don't better. know if it was necessarily going to save the movie. Right. I think shifting your focus to Sam Worthington's character when he was, you know, the flavor of the month when he yeah. was in everything. I was like, ah, he's not necessarily the strongest lead. Like, we don't really want to follow him. Let's follow Christian Bale yeah. as John Connor. But yeah, Genesis, I mean, nobody really came yeah. out to see Genesis. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Jai Courtney about it. Obviously, I interviewed him for the Deep Guy. He mentioned that. He's like, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was weird. He said it was weird to step into an IP that's already been established. It's already been done. Try to reboot it. You know, and he—that he, was the last one he did, and he uh, of that kind of thing because he also did the Die Hard one, and then I came up, and then what was the other one he did that we stepped into? But he's—he said like I learned my lesson to no longer to really think for a long time before I accept these offers to be in these already established IPs to take on characters that are legendary characters in that IP or will be legendary characters in that IP. It's dangerous, and so uh, I. He was, he was I, Kyle he, Reese, right? Right, it was Genesis? Kyle Reese. Okay. Yeah, but he was also what, Bruce Willis' son in yeah, Die Hard. Die Hard Five. Yeah, and so Ooh. it's like, yeah, exactly. So he was Ooh. like, God, <laughs> that movie. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that you know they clearly were trying to do the thing that start like you were saying, like Star Wars is doing that Halloween did that a lot yeah. of people are doing, which is let's get the. The, the original actors here as sort of now, they were our young, plucky leads originally, and now they are sort of the elder statesmen. Yeah. So that they can sort of hand off to this new generation, and that new generation can run with this for a new audience. And that, for example, with Star Wars, again, all of our discussions on what we think of this trilogy, this right, version of this right. movie or that movie aside, seems to have worked. Like, I right. go to Disneyland, and I see a bunch of little girls dressed up like Rey running around the park like it seems to have worked star there's a new generation that has their version of star wars that they're going right. to grow up with that whether or not kathleen kennedy lucasfilm kevin feige whoever uh manages to continue that ship they did a good job those movies are huge hits they make a lot of money they do but like um, the parks are oh sorry finish your point mike i'm sorry well no i was just say so that seems to have worked uh halloween is getting another movie like the, yep. the 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 concept works it didn't work with terminator right like they set up a solid world where these other new characters and these new relationships could have taken us into a new version of the franchise that it just doesn't seem like anyone is interested in and by the way it's a very simple franchise it's just a thing comes from the future to kill a thing in the past and the present so that it doesn't become a thing in the future yeah that's it the second one did the same thing and that's some of the complaints i heard too that they rehashed essentially the first movie all over again and just adjusted a couple of things, right? It's not that she's going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those kinds of things, you're like, oh, okay. But I didn't mind the adjustments, but I get it, right? They essentially did the Force Awakens treatment on this thing. It just didn't work. And I think Mike's Mike makes an excellent point. Maybe it's just an IP that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So then the larger discussion is, 
what is the IP that works? How are studios approaching this? You know, well, I'm really interested because you know it ties into Bob Iger came out recently saying that um, not only assuring everybody that they were going to make new Aliens and Predator movies yeah. through Fox, but that they would be rated R and that they're looking at rebooting them or doing them in a way that sort of puts all the versions. You know, with the Predator movies and the Aliens versus Predator that have all been tanked, and then yeah. with um, Prometheus and Covenant. Covenant, Covenant, which nobody right. has time for, that they're looking to reboot those. And I think that they, the Terminator thing to me most directly affects those two because both ter- Terminator, Aliens, and Predator are all of sort of a same era, yeah, yeah, uh, a same time. And we are all of the age that those are all mythologies and characters and monsters that we grew up with. Terminator, Predator, Alien, like they all just go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how if the Disney machine, which seems to know what they're doing as yeah. far as churning out these movies, is able to do that through Fox with a rated R franchise and take a franchise that is equally as irrelevant at this point and make it relevant again. I think you have to take Predator out back and shoot it. Yeah, I mean... I don't think so. I love Predator so much. I think there's great movies in there, but just you need someone to like get it right. But this failing after Men in Black's failure, and, and mm. the, I, there was a, a blurb today that yeah. like, they're going to bring Tommy Lee and Will Smith back for the fifth oh, one. Um, at, at what point do you feel like in this age of IP that do they do the studios stop relying on IP that they start to look for more original ideas? I think it's something that you said last week or the week before about comic books and when are when are superhero movies going to end? And I think it's the same thing as like, look, mm. when Marvel and Star Wars and Harry Potter fail, then everyone will let the other IPs go. But as long as Disney has the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Star Wars Universe taking up however much percentage of the box office they do and Harry Potter, if Harry Potter, if this, uh, right. if bringing in Steve Clovis gets the Harry Potter movies, black on black, black, back on track, uh, <laughs> stop making those eyes at me. Was, <laughs> Whoa. My, it slipped. It slipped. But you know what I mean? Like you as did. long as, as long as somebody is making billions of dollars on IP, everyone else is going to go, well, we need our IP. Someone's got to get it right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that they'll keep doing it. That's the problem though. Everyone thinks they can do it, and then they do, and they crap the bed. They rarely get it right. They rarely make it work. But damn, they're gonna keep trying to push that boulder up the hill, rather than finding new IP. But then again, you look at his Dark Materials. That's new IP, and that that is not not getting a good response. Though whatever that is, that Amazon Prime one with Orlando Bloom, not getting a good response. So it's just yeah, but the man. boys is IP. And the boys the, is IP. Yes, and Umbrella Academy is IP. Yes, it is. And so it, that's the, the thing. Is like, and also, I would also question this whole concept that. Um, that by taking existing IP and doing something with it prevents you from doing anything with new IP. Mm. Like, there's new IP happening. There's new IP happening every day. Um, okay. Like, I, oh my God, I just said something in my head and it all went out and I'm going to sound like an idiot because I can't think of any new IP. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to defend your point on the Geek Buddies, my man. Um, no, look, like Stranger Things. That's not new anymore. But it was. But I mean, sure. Stranger Things is something that came out and it was wholly original yeah. and people went crazy for yes. it and obsessed over that mythology. Well, look at the whole, look at the game. We talked about the Game of Thrones thing. You know, now we kill that pilot, but we'll green light this thing straight to series. So it's like, okay, people are are becoming more and more, I hope studios are becoming more and more precious about their IP. I'd rather you waste time 
shooting a pilot that you don't approve in the end than waste time shooting 13 episodes to do force down people's throats and destroy the IP. But yeah. even when they're precious about it, like Terminator. Yeah, but they didn't do a bad movie. This is not a bad I movie. I agree. They were, precious. Just, they were precious about it. Yeah. And the audiences yeah. didn't show up. And I, I wonder if it's just a, a, an amalgamation of events, like a, a culmination of events from different, different sections of people who would have normally gone to see this movie that combined to keep it at the low box office that it had. You know, you mentioned all of them, Mikey, and there are probably two or three other ones that are people have come up with for reasons and that the film didn't work for them or they didn't want to go see it or whatever. So I don't know. It's like, so I heard some people bashing Linda Hamilton and I'm like, what's wrong with you? I think, I think the thing that people need to think about and it, it, and sometimes people just don't want to think about this, but it's like you reach a point and everyone will reach it where you're a creator. You are someone who, when you were young, you had your finger on the pulse. Right. And you knew what everybody liked. And you reach a certain age, or an IP reaches a certain age, yeah. and you go to the people that know that IP, and you no longer have your finger on the pulse. And you either are one of those people that is willing to go, what is it that the younger, the quote-unquote, the kids today yeah. are into? And how do I take that and incorporate it into my IP and make it something new and fresh? I remember when we were discussing why Men in Black uh, failed, mm-hmm. and there's all those reports that earlier versions of the Men in Black story like kind of dove really heavy into immigration, yeah, and using the ideas of literal illegal aliens yeah. on Earth, kind of using that as a way to talk about immigration. And I think that doing things like that make it more interesting. Now, Terminator tried to do that too. Terminator. Yeah, we went into a detention center. Like yeah. we talked, about, we crossed the border. So you know that clearly didn't work for it either. But like, yeah. but I think that like trying to figure out what makes so whether it be Predator, whether it be Aliens, whether it be any of those things, what makes it relevant today? Um, much the way that Damon Lindelhoff is taking Watchmen, which is a story that was about nuclear war, yeah. when that with Russia and the U.S. when that was written. And has transitioned that Watchmen story in his version on HBO into being all about race and the police and a bunch of things that are really relevant today. So I think that's just something to think about. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see as it goes forward what the studios do. And we'll see if Terminator's dead. I mean, I I think they're going to try one more time, but I, I don't know. And it may be a while. That's for sure. It just makes me sad because, you know, we went yep. in and had a fantastic time in yep. that movie. Yep. Yep. I mean, and we just, weren't sure we were going to have a fantastic time. We were optimistic. You were optimistic. Off yeah. of the panel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. What do you guys think if they did a Predator movie where all the people on Facebook who post photos of them with their big game that, that they've shot on those? Oh. You know, what if, what if, what if, what if that's a, what if, what if that's an SNL sketch where the Predator's going after the owner of Jimmy John's? I mean, I'm into it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I disagree. I, I disagree know. with you. I think Predator is a great, simple, You're easy insane. to understand franchise. They're all terrible. Well, the first one is great. The original Predator is a great movie. I give it. I give it a B. It's a B movie. It's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's not great. I think it's a great movie. Die Hard is great. I think Predator. Predator, I think the first Predator is a really tight, awesome script, great movie, awesome concept. I'm never going to bash Shane Black's script. Predator Two is a fun movie, but ridiculous. It's horrific, (laughs) but offers up some really interesting new aspects to the Predator mythology. And to be fair, everything after that is kind of a disaster. But I think that the concept two two Predator versus Alien movies, right? Those those are those are bad. Okay, those are horrible. And then two Predator movies after that as well the predators the one where all the criminals landed on the planet that was a great uh, idea with with adrian brody was actually a decent movie except for Lawrence fishburne's whole weird character it's supposed to be arnold uh 
Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes. Uh, that was an interesting movie. I kind of dug it. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, like the the mythology around Predator, I think, much like the, the mythology around aliens, like they can't get an aliens movie right anymore either. Yeah. But that simple mythology of these sort of the egg hatches, the face hugger impregnates you. It's horrifying and it's scary. There's a queen alien. Like the basic concept of that is so great just as with Predator and just as with Terminator. Like, to your point, it's a robots from the future come back in time to try and prevent things from happening. Like, the the idea is so simple that I don't think we're going to actually get rid of them anytime soon. It's just how do we reinvent them to make sense and get a new audience excited? To me, this is... uh, And we should wrap up because we're at over an hour, but I would say this, like... It's like a sports... To me, I'll make a sports analogy. Well, I'm out. No, you, 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 I think you're following. It's like a bludger. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> so when, the, you, when, you, when, you, when you take the quaffle, <laughs> that I'm in. Like when a seeker <laughs> is good and then not good and then not good and then not good, the inconsistency of it, and, and you like the seeker, he's a cool person or she's a cool person, but they just can't get it done consistently enough, you have to replace the seeker. And I think it's time to replace the seeker on all of these. Okay, but including aliens, I think we should just go. First of all, they were great in the '90s. It's their time is done. Let's move on. First of all, I really appreciate you. Thank you making your sports analogy Quidditch because I actually understood it. <laughs> That's right. Second of all, That's right. I think the your it's a your your it's a slightly faulty analogy because just because your seeker is uneven and you need to get rid of your seeker doesn't mean you throw out the entire sport of Quidditch. Right. So I think so. That, we're not throwing out the entire concept of film. I'm just throwing out these yeah, ideas. Quidditch, Quidditch is the studio. Yeah, Quidditch <laughs> is the studio. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. This is why I don't wade into sports analogies. <laughs> but this is why we're the geek buddies. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for watching. Oh, I'm sorry, for listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. We always appreciate you all uh, taking your time to do that. And as Mike mentioned just a few minutes ago, we're talking about Watchmen. We've got a Watchmen Season 3 spoiler review coming out tomorrow. If you're hearing it to us on a Thursday, we're going to drop it on Friday. If you all listen to it, get you ready for Episode 4 of Watchmen. I have resisted the calls to ask HBO for the first six episodes because I want to enjoy them and watch them and discuss it with you guys. So that'll be uh, – look for that tomorrow. The the, uh, episode three spoiler review watchman to get you ready for episode four uh what do we say shannon well if you would like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to follow michael vogel for both it's at mk tune if you'd like to follow john roca it's at the roca says nailed it. wow Mikey. and uh hey while you're at it uh go check us out wherever you decided to download us whether it's uh itunes spotify wherever you're listening leave us some stars leave us some ratings leave us some comments um, the more comments you leave the more stars and ratings you give us the more listeners we get and we're really excited about that and if you're on Twitter go ahead and retweet us tell people to uh, check out a geeky ass podcast boom there you go alright well I don't know what more I can add to that uh, we're good to go uh, and thanks everybody for uh, listening to this episode of The Geek Buddies Hey.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.